This is Kevin Campbell and you're listening to Chewing the Cud with the Irish Toffees. Come on, you blues. Welcome along, folks. Next episode of Chewing the Cud. And today we're going to uh, look back at the amazing, amazing week we just had as Evertonians. Obviously starting with the match last week against Liverpool. Uh, the stadium uh, planning approval and then couple of things. Luca Dean signed a new contract and then Carlos press conference. And we'll also preview Monday's game against Southampton. Okay, full crew today. Chris, Colly and Richie. Good afternoon, gents. Oh, Joe, how are you, mate? Good afternoon, Joe. How are you? Um, absolutely very, very good. And uh, like Colly said, we need to put out a warning. This podcast will be positive and quite possibly very, very long. So, <laughs> sorry, I so, had to get that laugh out of my system. Okay. And that, that's, I was just gonna say that's Chris <laughs> laughing. There's not an imposter, we haven't got someone dragged in. That's actually Chris Mackey laughing. So, <laughs> I don't know, we're gonna record this video for posterity. So, we play every now and then. I'll play it to you, Chris, <laughs> when we when we lose a home to Southampton or someone. Oh. Stop, I mean, let's not go there. Let's not go there. Right, lads, uh, quite possibly one of the uh, best weeks. In a long, long time, I've never thrown But we'll get back to the very beginning. Uh, Saturday evening, Rich. Uh, I've seen Jürgen Klopp talking before the match. and He didn't get a chance to see the team, team lineup. So he asked, was Alain and Dominic Cavalloon playing? And Jeff Shree said, no. And he said, oh my God, Carlo, the poker face. And he was absolutely spot on because he just threw us all like a sideways wobbler. Yeah, I suppose that was the first, the first of it. But uh, what can you say? But man is a genius, you know. Um, and hopefully, this result will gain the trust, the, the trust of fans who doubt him, uh, to feel the need to moan at him at every team announcement, and just admit that he knows best. I think that's where we need to go. Is just let it be said that he, that he, he's in charge. He knows. We may not agree with it, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the lineup was a master stroke. Uh, I think special kind of praise. Has to go to, to for me to to Seamus. He takes a lot of he takes a lot of abuse for different things. I thought he was immense on Saturday night, and as well with Holgate, just to have that communication to be able to fulfil those two roles, I thought it was unbelievable. Um, Tom Davis stepped up to the mark again. Richardson put in an unbelievable shift. You know, terrorised them, but also the subs that he made throughout the game. You know, the bravery of those subs to make at the time. Um, you know, and that's not even mentioning the guys that were in the mix for man of the match. So for me, it's outstanding all around from Carlo, and it's you know that's that that's what we want and, and that's what we got. But yeah, what a, what a start to it. Uh, take our spot on, Collie, about with like the team selection. But like when when the team news come out, oh yeah, said, what is going on here? I, I mean, what's happening? Are we, are we just sitting in waiting for a draw? No, we didn't. Yeah. Moan. I, had, I had a little moan, but I mean, like Richie said. This chap has been doing this for years and years and years and years. How are we to doubt him, man? He's just proved us all totally wrong. Yeah, well, certainly proved that none of the four of us in this pod, Joe, can ever uh, understand or try and understand what Carlo's going to do because he seems to be getting it wrong week by week, you know, the kind of way. I think every one of us looked at that uh, starting lineup and said, seriously. Mm. But uh, no, uh, is it the professor they call him? Angel Ali, I think, I think it possibly could be. And you can certainly understand why. And it's we're now what recording on Thursday, Joe. And to be honest with you, I'm still a bit speechless after the game. <laughs> it, look, everything, 
everything Joe associated with that win, you know, we may not even feel the effects of this until next season. We, we no longer go to Anfield and say it's been 20 odd years since we won there. You know, the kind of way. These little things, and, and, and they, they may seem really small at the moment, but, you know, you won't have Martin Tyler on a wank fest every time they, 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 they were up against him again. You know, the kind of way. And I just thought it was an absolutely immense, immense display from, from the lads out on the pitch. And, and obviously Carlo and, and Jamie Carragher didn't pick him on the match on Saturday. But then he came out on Sunday and said his um, man the match went to Carlo and Jalali. I, I think there's a reason behind that, but we're gonna put that in, in Yeah, order. yeah. But but um I just thought, you know what? I think that the best part of that game for me, and look, you could pick thousands of, of everyone have their own individual uh, memories from that game, but I think Holgate uh had the ball and Mane fouled him. And it was a it was a cheap free kick, let I'll be honest. Mm. But Mane was giving out and as Holgate walked by Mane, there was a snap of him just smiling at Mane, you know. Holgate had Mane in his pocket for the whole game, you know, the kind of way. And people were were were, were maybe giving out about Holgate from the previous game. I and mean, he didn't have a great game. Um, but I just thought on on there's a bit of snide about Holgate, which I'd love, I have to say. And yeah, he does make mistakes, but just to see him smiling at Mane when Mane was throwing his arms up in the air or, you know, the kind of little things like that I'll always remember from that game. And then the big, big Mick, you know, what what can you say about that chap and, and that tackle, Joe? Um, you know, look, I, I, I could talk all, uh, for the next three hours about that game, Joe, but I'll have to let the other lads in as well, you know, the kind of way. It was fantastic and it was a pr- I was proud to be a blue on Saturday night, that's for sure, because yeah. we, we totally yeah. deserved that win. We really did. Yeah, that, I think that's the main point. We deserved it totally. But uh, just the thing that impressed me as well before Chris is uh, Seamus came out, which is kind of a little bit unusual. He came out uh, before the match and spoke, and uh, you could just see the pride in his face just before the match even kicked off. That he said, "Listen, we've been here before. We talked the talk. We we done this. Made excuses. Now it's time to do it on the pitch." And boy, Jesus Christ, did they do it on the pitch? Yeah, look, you always see it online. Oh, the same rallying cry, and Seamus gets hammered over when we have a poor result. And he's captain, he's stuck in front of the camera trying to trying to justify poor performances and that and questioning the attitude and that. But he's always called it how it is. If you go back to the Wolves game last year when they beat us three nearly, he threw the lads under the bus mm. for their attitude and their effort and everything. Obviously, we have a affiliation with Seamus because he's Irish and we've met him ourselves a few times. He's a lovely, humble fella. He's a blue. He's one of us. He knows what it means. He knows what we demand. And so, you know, it was fantastic to see him come out after the game. And he was emotional. You could see it in him, how much it meant to him. And hugging Duncan, hugging Carlo after the final whistle, he was able to stand there. And the relief, relief for us as fans, but the likes of long-serving players like like Seamus and you know, all the backroom team and stuff, it was a monument. Like, it's more than just three points. People looking in on the outside don't re- realise the magnitude of that win. Like, we've had that hanging over us for nearly 22 years. And the longer it's gone on, it's just become a bigger, bigger thing, psychologically more than anything. You know, as we said in the pre-game pod, they've beaten us with 10 men. They've, they've thrown balls in in the last minute. They beat us with their 23s. The longer it's gone on, psychologically more than anything we've never been able to come over that that hurdle against them and finally 
we, we've done it, you know, and hopefully now that's that psychological block and fear factor gone against them. So going forward, you know, we'll relish playing them. If you look at the lad, we've Calvert Leon came with what 23, Holgate 23, Richarlison 23, uh, Godfrey 22. Well, it's a young side, very mm. young. So the core of the side is, is very young, you know. So these are lads that are going to be with us for years to come. So, you know, I don't think it's going to be 22 years or 11 years that we beat them at Goodison again. Hopefully now that's, mm. that's a big weight off our shoulders. Yeah, it's, it's, you said it last week, Rich, in the pre-pod, that um, you kind of have to look at it as just another game. Which you see, you're said and done, and we were kind of dreading it. So, but I think that's just the way Carlo approached it. Like, it's not Liverpool; it's just like a game of football. Yeah, just, I, I have two sides to that. I think that we that we did that. We played the game, but I think afterwards, there's definitely an occasion worth celebrating in it. hundred percent. But I think that they may have got caught up in the occasion due to the whole rematch thing and putting Van Dyke in the stands and may have kind of... Yeah, they wheeled him out. Yeah, that, was, that was actually embarrassing. Lazarus coming out in the stands, it was. For no, God's sake. it was sitting there yeah. like fucking Bernie Sanders. It was just ridiculous. But yeah, I think it may have got into their heads that little bit more and been thinking about he's there to witness it and to kind of throw it back at us and things like that. Mm. And, yeah, and, embarrassing, embarrassing. Yeah, but... You know, it, we seem to have everything kind of spot on. As you said, Seamus came out and you could see kind of nearly in his eyes, you know, the determination was there. It just meant that people were, were in the right headspace for it. You know, obviously you don't have the intimidation of the crowd and to get a start like we what, like we got then. I'm not even the start to go back to the first ball where we get a corner within 10 seconds. You know, it just kind mm. of puts them on the back foot. You know, Jesus Godfrey had a great chance kind of from, from, from the corner even. But to get a goal that early, it just... It settled us because it then we then had something to hold on to, but also then I suppose were we dropping that little bit deeper. But I mean that's not that's understandable. But we were very comfortable, I thought, kind of throughout it. But um, yeah, I'm losing my train of thought here very quickly. It's going. It's doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's, it's it's understandable this week, the week that didn't. But it's like like I said, just another game, Collie. But we just we were just so calm. I mean, I mean the players, not us. I was all over the kip. I was up and down. I was walk. I said to Dan, the last time I was just nervous when I was in the waiting room in Hollis Street, waiting for to get bird. I was walking up and down. It was all out of stuff. It was just, it was just nerve wracking. But the players were just as calm as you like. And like Seamus said, they had a job to do and did it perfectly. I think Richie in the last pod said a great thing, and something stuck with me. I have to say. You need to play the game and not the occasion. Mm. And we played the game on Saturday, and, and and I think Carlo was masterful in that. And I was in work on Saturday, so I had to dodge uh, people. Not that there's many in the airport, Joe, but I, I did get to see the game. Um, it was just, I don't know, it's just, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard to, to comprehend, Joe, because it's been so long since we won there, you know, that mm. kind of way. And, then he had the other elements and obviously the commentators on the night and like how many times have we given out about Martin Tyler and the commentary team on Sky or BT. It's just like a Liverpool love-in and yeah. this is what gets to me. Like it's as if, you know, they're entitled to win or, you know, the kind of way and like they're the only teams that have uh, injuries, you know, the kind of way. 
hopefully, like their top four, their their ambition this year and this season has to be top four in my in my opinion, Joe. And they're nowhere near that level. Absolutely nowhere near. We we have a better chance of getting top four in my in my opinion. I think they're poor, and obviously Henderson went off. But I'm not here to talk about them. But to see, you know, air reaction and 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 just. From 1 to 11, it's very hard to pick out someone that didn't play well for us on Saturday, I have to say. And I would have loved to see uh, Coleman score that header, I have to say, because I thought oh. Coleman, yeah. What a ball in by Lucas Dean, even in the wind. Yeah. Um, but uh, I would have just loved either side of that, either side of Allison, and, and it was a goal, you know, the yeah. kind of way. And I just would have just would have loved to see it because I think that would have just round off a, a special night for all Evertonians and especially the Irish Evertonians. Yeah, it would have been nice on the cake, Corey. Especially for Donna, she had shame at any time. <laughs> 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 That's why they call it gambling. But the thing is, Chris, and listen, let's not beat around the bush. It was very, very windy. Like, like there was a couple of balls there that I know Alexander Arnold, I think it was the one for, for Henderson's shot. Like, he, he played the ball in and the wind just took it and it came out to Henderson. So, like, it was very windy, but at the same time, it's, it's the same for both teams. So, I don't give a shit what Jürgen Klopp says. It's, it's, like the song says, you have to walk on through the wind, you know what I mean? So obviously don't take that for, for granted. But the conditions were poor, but listen, we just lapped up everything. Every single ball that came in. All right, we're out our luck at times, but you're going to have to do that at Lampe, But So I just can't get off the calmness of every single player that played in blue that night. The way it was built up <clears throat> from the outside, Joe, with the media, and as you said, about as Collie said with Sky and the pundits and the newspapers, it was it was gearing up towards a big revenge mission, you know, for what mm. happened with Van Dyke and you know, Pickford was on the front page, and you know, it was, it was as uh, with Van Dyke in the stand, no need for him to be there with in COVID times no. as well. That's like goes Wheel and Yardy Mina out and sticking him on the bench, shouldn't have been anywhere near mm. it. He was there because mm-hmm. they were going to beat us and they were all going to run over and celebrate and revenge is done and justice for Van Dyke. That was their little... It was, it's pathetic, really. And they, they shot themselves in the foot. Klopp many mm-hmm. times has come out and he's belittling Everton with his little comments before the game. Oh, no one wants to be on 40 points with Everton. And he's condescending, you know. There's no class about him at all, that man. And they ended up shooting themselves in the foot. They got over emotional about it, like we normally do. And everything just came out. Done our talking on the pitch. We went for them from the very off. We won our second balls. We were calm. We were disciplined. We weren't afraid of them. Mm. I think they thought they were going to come out and we were afraid of them and they're going to play us and kick us off the park. But each to a man, you know, as the last touch on, Holgate was fantastic. Godfrey, Michael Kane, a colossus. Each and every player stood up and done their part. Tom Davis, Pickford. That's the that's the Pickford that got player of the year in his first yeah. season at Everton. Great performance. Fantastic. The manager's tactics. Bang on. The game plan. Coleman, man marking. Um, Robertson. Like you can go around everybody. Gomez, no, he's scared her. <laughs> Shut down me. He was a red card <laughs> waiting to happen now. Yeah. Of course, uh, look, we, we got away with it. As the core, like he, he never stopped. He, this sloppy in possession a couple of times, but mm. other than that, he was, he was, you know, he's a, he is what he is. He doesn't stop each to a man. And uh, look, it's, it's, we have to trust the manager. It, 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 he has a game plan, 
for every game and it's not always going to work but it's up to the players as well to implement the game plan you know and they implemented it fantastically each to a man and you know if you want to go back and look at other games we should have been full of Newcastle those players on the pitch regardless of what you think about his selection they mm. were good enough to beat those sides mm-hmm. you know so I'll never question Carlo you know we, we can worry look at his team and say why is he doing this why is he doing that but he has a method to his madness. You know, he's incredible, the guy. Absolutely incredible. It's, uh, you know, I hope this is a real a mon- monumental win, a real turning point for Everton, you know. If you, uh, if you go back to this, when we qualified for the Champions League in 2005, we, the Carsley Derby, we beat Liverpool. Mm. And, you know, that really kicked us on a good run of games then. And it kind of, I always say it was compared to kind of Man City. I know it's a different level of spending. Like they've gone and they've just, you know, split the. But it took them a good few years of dodgy recruitment and a couple of managers to really kick on to that next level before they really. Mm. Beating Man United at Old Trafford, the 6 1 game was. That was the point for them where they thought we've arrived. That's it. Where the tide started to turn. I'm not saying we're going to be the new, you know, dominate in Liverpool are going to fall. I'm not saying that. But. I hope it is one of those games where the belief in the club and the players and the manager and the trusts, it's just a catalyst now going forward for the rest of the season to really kick on, give us that confidence and belief that we've lacked maybe getting over the line in recent years. So, look, what can you say? I'm just, I'm I'm still in shock myself. It's unbelievable. I still have the screenshot on my phone, the 2-0. Great. Fantastic. (laughs) I think I think that's perfect, Rich, because it has to be used as a springboard, right? To 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 kick on now, not not just this season, but just now into the next season or couple of seasons. Like like Chris said earlier, like we, we have that belief that we can we can get results on Anfield, but we have to use that in other places. More no more so than at home now. You know what I mean? So similar to the sports game, where if 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 we lose against Southampton, it kind of takes away from from last week. 100% and we have to use that but I think the, the mentality and the, the confidence that you get from a win like that when there's so much kind of baggage riding on it from not even the players themselves but from previous regimes of going there and basically shitting the bed and not getting the job done when it was there to be taken so it's just the release of all of that so I mean it, it's there now you could see what it meant to the players afterwards and I, you know you would expect you know over the long term, you know, I, you can imagine what training is like this week after, uh, on, the ba- on the back of that. We saw scenes from the dressing room afterwards that, you know, it meant so much to them because now, you know, they're associated both with the win, you know, and they, they know kind of that, yes, that they can mix it with the likes of Liverpool. But um, also, I suppose, it draws a line in the sand of what's left behind and to know that, you know, it has to be an end to the embarrassment of results and stuff against them and know that, you know, what we don't want to be going back to that type of a, a level ever again and, and, and things like that. So I think there's two sides that you're killing such a bad side of things and then it's given the possibility of, of, of what's ahead of you. And look, I, I, I think from those players and, and what we saw the other night that the fact that you have someone like Southampton at home next, which is, again, it, it's... It's a tough game because of the way we're going and, and it, the way we're going against teams like that. But it's probably perfect as well that it's a chance to right another wrong. 
mm. you know, that you can say, right, this is another thing and we can improve and we can put that to bed. And it just makes those teams that probably will think that they can get a result against us that we have coming up and say, oh, you know what, maybe these have turned the corner, put a bit of a fear factor to send Everton at, home, Everton at home aren't a soft touch like they have been earlier in the season. So that's kind of what you want to see from it mm. and, and to really kick on. But I, I'd be surprised if we didn't. Yeah, I think James, uh, you made a great point the other night, Collie, that, that like Chris said, that the young lads in the team, like Hogue, Godfrey and so on, they, they don't carry the baggage of what's gone before at Anfield. And I think that that was kind of one of the major factors as well, that these lads, they weren't afraid. You know what I mean? They didn't, they didn't care about what happened 21 years ago. Half of them probably weren't even born. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's just, but a shout on the pitch, they, they were men. Like Godfrey, Hogue, Richarlison, they were men on the pitch. Yeah, they stood up, Joe. And, uh, you know, fair play to them for doing that. And, and you're right, maybe also supporters are holding on to the baggage too long. You know, they couldn't able... And maybe that's an element of the team that we, we don't realise that these guys are so young. And, and obviously, Byron and Tom, uh, Tom Davis, none of them have really grown up being supporters of Everton. So to them, when they throw it out on the pitch to Anfield, it was just another game. You know, um, yeah, I'm sure the, the hype surrounding the game through the week and all that, but it certainly weren't affected, Joe, by any stretch of imagination. And like some of the names you picked out there, you know, but I also got to have a special mention for Jordan Pickford, Joe, um, I have to say, because uh, he is young, but he, no doubt, you know, through the course of this season has gone, has had some low times and, you know, and, and okay. What happened, happened, Joe. But Jordan Pickford came out on, on Saturday and he pulled off at least two, if not three, wonderful saves. Uh, the one from, obviously, Jordan Henderson, where he dived to Salah's fee. And he stood up and, and he, he made that game his own. And I don't know whether I... Maybe I'm being a bit mad about this, but I've watched him the last two games, Joe, and I, thought, I just think there's a more... There's a different look about Jordan. Uh, whether it's more confidence, whether he just seems to he commanded his area the other evening. He, he caught some balls that, particularly in the wind, that was very impressive. You know the kind of way, and I really do think as supporters we should give him a big shout out because I thought he was absolutely excellent. Not just with the saves, Joe, but his all round display. And as Chris rightly said, that's the Jordan Pickford that we had in the fourth season, and long may it continue. You know, yeah, hundred percent. That's we can into it now. Uh, that's why I think. Carragher didn't give him a match during the game because he didn't want to give it to Pickford because I thought, Chris, he was absolutely outstanding. Uh, I know the save from Henderson was, was that was probably one of the best ones, but I think that the save laid on from Wijnaldum where he tipped it over the bar. Like, he got up so for, for yes, we all know he's a small kid, but he got right up on top and just put it over the bar and then, like, when I seen that, I said, why didn't he do that a couple of seasons ago with Origi, but that's that's another thing. But Pickford was I thought I thought he was man the match. I thought for for everything that went around it, like not just the performance, but the, the pressure he was under, the spotlight, everything else. I thought he was absolutely outstanding. Cody's right in what he said there. He seems to be more focused and concentrated than than he had been earlier on in the season. The last couple of games. You wonder if this sports psychiatrist is rubbing off on him, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. He just has his little way. You think of, it's Alton, Chris? Uh, you think it's the introduction of Alton as well, giving a bit more push on the position? 
Well, I suppose when you see the way Olsen performed in the Leeds game, probably would do any harm to, you know, Pickford. Mm. There'll be a bit of that. It's the first bit of competition he's had, but he just seems to be, he seems to be calm and not being too erratic. And, you know, it's, it's generally speaking, I know he's had a couple of howlers this season, shots he probably should have saved, but generally speaking, shot stopping has been one of the stronger points. And we've always questioned him coming out and flapping at balls and missing punches and dropping the ball. And he was absolutely bob on with everything. Every cross that came in, he came in, he caught it, he commanded his area. You know, there the balls he's, he's tended to be dropping recently, you know. He was just, he was excellent. And look, we've hammered him over when he's made horrors and we said, I don't think either of them are good enough to be our keeper. But if he plays like that every week, consistently, Week after week. Now, look, you're going to have goalkeepers. They're all going to make mistakes one or two a season. It's going to happen. But he's made too many consistently over the course of the season. And he's made some that haven't cost us points. He's got away with a lot of the time. Mm. But if he performs like that, keeps that level of concentration, like he, he does have the ability. You know, if, if we want to be a top six club, we have to cut out those mistakes. So, I mean, hopefully... It's a real turning point for him now. And going back to the Origi thing as well there a couple of years, that was a, a lot of fans will never forgive him for that. You know, Everton were full value for at least a point in that game. And then 96 minute of 94 added on, he drops it into the net, you know. So that was kind of the start of his downfall, I think. And obviously what happened earlier on in the season. So, I mean, hopefully that's put to bed now. A solid performance, a clean sheet, no, no drama. And there's a line drawn under that whole thing now and really hope he can kick on because I mean we don't want to be criticizing lads and picking lads out. You know, it's it's just you're as I said before, you're just going on a 90-minute performance as fans, you know. Mm. He he obviously has the ability, so just consistency. We're saying it all season with certain players and the team. He's more than capable of it. So, you know, hopefully now that's the confidence booster he needs to really to really uh, keep that level of concentration. And, you know, he'll kick on for us because he is relatively young for a goalkeeper, 27 probably, isn't he? So he still has plenty of years ahead of him. Yeah, I think that's the key point. We, we said it loads of times, pretty concentration, because he, he just seems to, Seems to go. He wanders. His mind wanders during games, and that's that's where he gets the sloppiness from. Like we all know what he can do, and like Saturday is a perfect example. Like as Cody said, that's that's the Jordan Pickford that was man the match or player of the season early in his first season. So he just needs to be on it on it all the time. Yeah, I mean, if if you know the the level of performance that you're going to get is, is to that level that he put in on Saturday, that there's no problems with him. Um, first off, I put the hands up that I said that he didn't have the mentality or I was worried about his mentality for the game and it was spot on. You know, yeah. he, as I said, he looked more focused. He looks, I don't know, is it leaner or fresher? There's, there's something about him since he's come back. Um, and yeah, I mean, every he didn't put a foot wrong. You know, he, he was absolutely brilliant. And I think probably grew in conference after getting the Henderson save as well that he just said, you know what, you know, Kind of puff out the chest and say, right, that you know that maybe he needed something like it, but mm. you know, on a tough night for keepers as well, where it's windy and you know it's very easy to kind of get caught underneath one and and it's taken away from you. But uh, yeah, absolutely brilliant. And and then Carlo turns around and says that he's going to keep rotating the keepers today. Yeah, he said today. Yeah, <laughs> but listen, I, I 
I think that's spot on but you know what I mean because yeah he like he knows now that listen it doesn't matter if I have a stomach he's, he's going to take me out but, yeah, it's, but it, it's all about it's all about keeping him on his toes exactly yeah for both of them and he knows what the story is and it's a case to keep performing like that until the end of the season and yeah, and hopefully that he's still and from from himself that he'll still be here and that we'd be playing European football and basically as a professional that's what he that's what he wants. So I think it's in his hands because he, he is capable of it. But it's just getting that level of consistency in his concentration. You know, I think the concentration yeah. leads to the the errors. It's a rush of blood, but I I, I would agree with Collie. I think in the last two games it's come back, he has looked a lot fresher. There's some something different about him. whatever. Like he's a fella, he's after going away and being dried out. He's mm. after coming, he's after coming back. But he looks, he looks a lot tuned in and everything against City and against Liverpool. So you know, hopefully, hopefully that whether he starts or not on on Monday, hopefully that it's the same one that turns up. Yeah, maybe it's just that little break of the two or three games that, that, that just refreshed him in his mind more so than nothing else, rather than like fitness. I think it was just and then like Richie or, or Chris said that. Uh, this psychologist fella that seems to be working with him, uh, maybe just sat down with him a few few times while he was out, but just see the difference. And someone else, Collie, that we kind of not not were worried about him going into the match, but we kind of criticised him in the last couple of weeks. And listen, we just call it as we see it, Mason Holgate. But again, another fella who's absolutely stepped up to the plate on Saturday. The job he did on Monday was just. And there was a great clip, uh, Carragher broke it down. No, I didn't see it. I was just seeing the, the clip the next day. Carragher broke it down on the Monday Night Football of the job that him and Seamus did on both Mane and Robertson. And they, like Seamus said, Mane is, is your job. Robertson is my job. And the two of them just stuck to it rigidly, rigid, rigidly. But Mason Hogan was just immense. Yeah, and I'm glad I, I kind of... I'm the one to talk about Mason because I, I think he was exceptional on, on Saturday, Joe, I have to say. And mm. the previous couple of games maybe didn't reach the levels that he had done in previous games, you know. And, and I actually didn't think uh, Holgate would have started personally on Saturday. Uh, I thought he would have thrown in uh, Coleman at a right full to deal with Mane. But sure, look, what do I know? But I just know he called the last game. So. And, and the last game, he, he, he for me, he didn't perform well. But I just love Mason Holgate from the point of view there is snide about him, Joe. And uh-huh. uh, many many months ago, there be we just want players with a bit of snide, you know, to put put it up into other players' faces. And again, I just repeat that little smiley gave to, to Mane when he won the free kick late in the game, and Mane is throwing his arms up around the place, and that was that was amazing, you know, the kind of way. And then you know, as 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 uh, winter follows. Uh, uh, Summer as such, they, they try and die for penalties left, right, and centre around the pitch. Yeah. And they, they, <laughs> Holgate has it all, Joe. I have to say, what's his best position? Position? That's a hard one now. I have to say, is it right full? I know he played there when he was on loan with West Brom in the championship and tremendous season. Came back to us and played in centre half. You know, now Mr. Godfrey has come in, and I refer to him Mr. Godfrey because he's just a. Uh, a god to me at the moment. Um, some calls him, some calls him, uh, God Benfrey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's a, that's another full pod in itself, Joe. Just mm. how good that chap is. But um, if you look at our back line, Joe, you know the lads have already mentioned the ages. 
but the 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 physicality and the the fitness and the speed of, of our players and and both uh, Holgate can come can bring the ball out of defence and, and, and as well. You know the kind of there's a lot he has a lot of attributes going for him. And I know no doubt coming towards the end of the season he, he could be in and out of the squad, but. I just thought he was absolutely amazing on Saturday night, and Mane just didn't have a look in. And I suppose if you went up to up to Finch Farm now, you'd probably still find Mane in Holgate's pocket, you know. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying, Chris. There was, a, there was a great interview there with um, Holgate and Ben Groffey with uh, Rio Ferdinand. Uh, it's a great clip on you, and just the calmness and the assurance of the two lads. And uh, but it just showed on the pitch. I'm still talking about. Holgate, but we can we can talk about the back four even. But just uh, every single one of them knew their job and did it to perfection. Oh, especially it was considering we had two days in between the city game and the Liverpool game mm. to implement that game plan and know their jobs and stick to their jobs down to a tier. That was excellent. Um, the Athletic reported that uh, they had a meeting Saturday morning in the Titanic in the hotel. And uh, Carlo said, essentially said to the players, what have you learned from the last games against Liverpool? And how will we approach this? This interesting piece of psychology from the manager as well. It's letting the players have their input, you know. So it's, uh, going back to his book, he, he's done that a couple of times. He's fairly coy like that. But ah, look, everybody was... Down to a T, you know, we didn't get drawn in to Firmino dropping off, you know, pulling players out of position. And you know how Mane and Salah love to run in behind as well. That's how he creates space for them. I thought we were, you know, man-marking. We were excellent. Everybody, Holgate, Godfrey, they done all the dirty work, Godfrey and uh, Holgate. And Michael Kane. I think positionally he was just immense. He was... You know, even when they did get in or they got a cross in or he was just there, he had everything away, his positional play, his reading of the game. You know, he got a great block in when they, they burst into the box. I think it was Firmino in the first half. But that tackle on Mane when he was about to let yeah. fly, oh. last minute he just got in and threw himself. That is unbelievable defending. Just as a unit, they were absolutely fantastic. You know, Lucas Dean, he goes under the radar as good as, as he is going forward. I thought he was really, really good defensively. Bar that one instance where he headed it away and a ricocheted leading to that uh, Salah chance. But, uh, Tom Davis, you know, as a defensive unit, we were, we were excellent. We had pace, we had intelligence, positioning. We won our second balls. You know, what you can't ask for anymore. It's just keeping that level of consistency defensively no matter who we're playing is, mm. is a task going forward you know in certain games you know going back to Holgate maybe he hasn't been himself the last couple of games he's been a bit out of form and you know you wonder is it arrogance or is it complacency and but yeah that's the level we have to be at week after week after week no matter who we're playing because you know despite their struggles they still won the league last year and we went and we beat them in their own backyard you know so, look, uh, we can wax lyrical about them all all day, each to a man. You know, you can't, uh, you can't criticise them at all. Yeah, as as much as the the kids don't great, I call them kids, but like like I said, there are men on the pitch. But Michael Kane, Richie, was just he just held everything like together, like and it's like he had them all on a piece of string. Like 
I know a couple of times Godfrey kind of got a little bit forward and here Kane shouting at him. He had him back and he and he and he just slapped back in there. Well, he just he's just I can say about them all, but he's just so calm and assured and just kept it, kept a tight ship. Yeah, I think I think there was a, a level of leadership shown from him, you know, to kind oh, of yeah. be organizing um fight around him, everything like that. But he swept up absolutely everything. He's his positional sense, you know. Because when you're going, I suppose, as a fluid kind of systems between a four and between a five, it's easier to kind of get dragged out and to get kind of lost. But, you know, the, their organisation for me was just top, you know, they, they top class. They, they held their shape so well throughout, it, you know, with the ball. And then you lose it and you're trying to drop back and you're getting into a different shape. But straight away, and he was at the heart of everything. Like, you know, he kind of, what would you kind of the patrolling the boys beside him, making sure everything was on? And but yeah, he's reading it. The game it was just it was just top class. I think thirteen clearances or something like that. Um, yeah, unbelievable performance. You know, it's hard to put it in. I don't. Did he get man of the match? But I, I, I don't. That's there's so many different man of the matches across yeah. different papers and websites now. But genuinely, could have been. Like it could have been five anyone, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, yeah, would have been would have been full value if, if it was kind of official or whatever. Anyway. Hmm. Yeah. Just go into the midfield and uh, listen, pick out players who had super games. But I thought Tom Davis again, he's, he's just doing it now regularly. Uh, he's just so solid, uh, doesn't get flustered, uh, takes his time on the ball, and just he, he scored out this sloppy passing where he used to give the ball away like, just way too much, just ridiculously. So now he's just, he's just so assured now that he knows his job. You know, whether whether he comes out of that team when Alan comes back, don't know if they're too similar to being the same team, similar to other players, but he was just another class player. And again, another potential for a man to match. Yeah, I thought uh, Tom Davis was was just excellent job, to be honest with you. And mm. you talk about a sloppy pass and that has gone on before, and then you look at the pass he gave to Richardson as Richardson turned the oh. defender to lead. Yeah. What a ball that was, you know, the kind of way. And but well, I agree with you. Like he, he played that position for the English under 21s under AD Boutroy. And Boutroy always came out and said that was in his opinion, that's Davis's best uh, position because his positional play and his reading of the game is exceptional. Mm. Now, could he play with Alan? I actually think he can because I think Alan is a bit more of an eight rather than a six. So I think you could possibly see Alan and Dakari. With Davis behind, um, mm. but that's just my opinion, Joe. But uh, now I thought to Corey in the first half, I, whether it was wind affected, so he was losing a lot of ball. But he came into into his own then. And, uh, a couple as of the times, game. actually, he put his hand up after like one. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he realized no, he, he made he, a mistake. He, knew, yeah. he, he said himself, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. Can, these players know, but it's good to see that he's, he he just puts his hand up, apologized, and, and acknowledges his mistake. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 100%. And then with Gomez, I have to say I was it was squeaky bum time now when Gomez picked up the the, the uh, yellow card for me because I, I I had it. He, he then fouled after he got the yellow card. He fouled. I was like, oh no, don't send him off. And yeah. so thankfully he did. Um, uh, Carlo withdrew him then early in the second half and brought on Sigerson who actually thought Sigerson had a great game as well when he came on and. Like what size balls does that chap have to stand up to take that penalty at the end of the day? Yeah. The conads on the man, Jesus Christ! Any man be proud to have them, you know. 
because I wouldn't be able to, I, I, nah, squeaky boom time for me, that now, but what a penalty that was, Joe, you know. Yeah, don't call him the ice man for nothing. Yeah, but, well. Yeah. yeah, just on Sigurdsson as well, actually, uh, Chris, I seen something like Colly said that maybe Tom Davis is the only Everton fan. I seen the photograph there, Jordan. Now, I don't know how real it is, but Sigurdsson outside Goodison when he was about 10 or 11 in the little one to one kiss. So, didn't realize Gilfie was a blue boy. I think we've seen that before, actually, when we first signed him. Yeah, I don't know the circumstances that surrounded mm. it all, right? Or whether he was just. It was just a coincidence. He happened to be there for whatever reason. But uh, now, as Collie said, Jesus, the, the balls on the fella, because that was a massive, massive, massive kick. Yeah. Huge kick. You know, if he hadn't missed that, that might have given them a lift, you know, at least a life to, you know, pin us, pin us back in. But to be honest with you, even after 93 minutes, so he still couldn't relax. No. Pacing around the room, just you've still seen it all before. Come crashing down, you expect the worst. So, now look, fair play to him. Now, we didn't have a whole lot of the ball when he came on, but he did the running and he got back into position, you know. And he he done all the dirty work. And when he got his opportunity, you know, he he took it. Um, and he could have had another one that shot at the end, oh, yeah, from the yeah. edge of the box, at that yeah. that had a nestle up in the, in the top corner, Jesus. I know. But, uh, look. I was, I was bad enough after tuning it that went in. <laughs> I would have had to take another week off. Well, now, what can you say? Just fair play to him, you know, fair play to him. And he'll go down in folklore with Richarlison as the two men since Kevin Campbell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Listen, someone else, like you said earlier, I think it was you, Rich, you said this, the soaps, the job they did. Damn the Cavalier. My God, for someone who wasn't fit. He ran himself into the ground literally, like when he came on. That like made that that run for the goal, well they lead up to the penalty. My God, he was like a sprinter. Yeah, I mean he clearly just threw on the burner, the burners mm. there around the halfway line. Like and Alexander is no slouch either, you know. And he, I wouldn't say he left him for dead, but he, he overtook him and he mm. seemed to have plenty in the tank. If there was more, if there was more grass there, he he'd have kept going. He was phenomenal when he came on. The strength of the man, you know, jumping there and, you know, bullied the centre halves as well. But even, you know, I suppose, as we said at the start, just the bravery of saying, you know what, put him on, put him on up front with Richarlison and it wasn't a case that we have a lead, we'll tighten it up another bit in the middle that we go and we'll kill this game. You know, let's go get it. And, you know, he stretched him. He was he was excellent when he came on. Um just to touch back on the boys as well that you mentioned a minute ago, I thought Davis was top class as well. And just on yeah. the pass, just the calmness to put his head up and not launch it into Rosette, like would have been acceptable at that stage, just shows the, the confidence of the man that he that the level that he's playing at now to be able mm. to do that. Mm. So I, I, I thought it was an excellent performance from him. Um, and Sigurdsson, yeah, I mean, again, said tr- three attempts, but just pure brazen to, to, to step up and to, and to do what he did, like, and, and fair play because... But that's what you want, you know. Again, it was a case of, you know what, I'm not shying away from it, that yeah. he's a designated penalty taker, knowing what's at stake, but not a problem on him, you know, and to, to roll it. It wasn't a case of... That's, yeah, that's you know, what I just said. Just put a laser through it. Just put a laser through it. If you put it down the middle, I'd have had a, a heart attack. If you'd have rolled down the middle like you did against Chelsea. <laughs> you know, it would have been all over. Yeah, to go back to Dom, I thought he was top class. And again... If you can afford, you know, if you can start playing with 
a two or a three up top and you can self Charles and Fire and it you know they they'll there's there's not too many defenders will get change out of them. Yeah. Just just on that the, the two lads just start to kind of up top if you well up top if you want to call it that Richardson and Rodriguez Collie. I thought they looked like brilliant. Like a it was the sit the kind of layout was kind of four four one two I don't know it was kind of strange but like when we when we didn't have the ball it went back to a five but the two lads just stayed up there all the time and Hamers like as, as much as we said he doesn't run around he didn't kind of have to because like, he just stood there as close to Richardson as he could and then I mean what a ball I mean and, like, to take it down I know it was it was pinged around a couple of times the Corey headed the Thiago headed back then he headed again but Rodriguez just took it down and Literally on half volley, just played it into Richardson. One look at the goal, bang, end of story. But the two of them, they just knew where each other was going to be all the time. Yeah, Joe, you know what? I visualised uh, Carlo possibly taking the two of them aside pre-game and saying, look, you just drop, drop off Richie in the pocket of space and let give Richie a run behind. And when in four minutes, his, his game plan worked. And yeah. I'll be honest with you, as soon as that ball went into Richie, I absolutely uh, no. Uh, sorry, I was full of confidence that he'd bury that. And what a finish it was, you know, the Quinway. Uh, I know we'll come on to it later, but I think Carlo mentioned today in the press conference that Richie is back, and he certainly is, Joe. You know, the Quinway Ta. Again, keep using the word excellent and immense and astonishing. But Richie was, was certainly up there as well on Saturday. I thought he had a great, great game for us. And, you know, maybe this Daryl complexion. We're just reading too much about it, you know. The kind of able, if you looked, if you looked at him on on Saturday night, he he is every bit as much an Everton player as any anyone else on, on that pitch, you know. And it was great to see. And and then obviously Rodriguez was withdrawn, and you know what a player. You can wax lyrical, Joe, about about this team at the moment, and uh, especially the team to start on Saturday night because of obviously we beaten the opposition or we beaten them as such but it was just a tremendous performance you know and, and we now have a superstar in our ranks and, and in, in Rodriguez who can literally do things on, on, on a turn of a coin as such you know the kind of way and just to, to witness them and, and I actually feel sorry for the rest of you three guys you three guys obviously get over a lot more than I, I do you know, imagine witnessing him in, in the flesh, Joe, you know, the kind of way, and, yeah. and to seeing him in the flesh. And, could you imagine the amount of love that he gets from from the first full-packed Goodison, Goodison game, you know, the kind of way? That's the thing that I, I just, I'm dreading now, the longer this goes on, Chris, that we don't actually get to see this chap, as Colly said, in the flesh, because just the things he can do with a football, it's just, I know we said this loads of times on the podcast, but he's just... He just he gaffs you. That's that's the one look for when when he does something like that, take a ball out and you just go, Oh my god. He just surprised you every single week. But we shouldn't be surprised at this stage because he's just a magician. He doesn't have to think about it. He plays off instinct. He's just that mm. good, you know. Um there's nobody else in the team that could have picked that pass. And you know, if it had been Tiago, we never would have heard the end of it. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. And, you know, we know he's a player. He's not going to. He's not going to dominate a game. But he's he's there for those kind of moments. That pass through, or the goal he got against Leicester, or the goal he got at United. 
these little moments of class that you know we don't have when he's not on the pitch. That's what that's what he's there for. You know, I just I don't know what to say about him. He's just I love him. He's absolutely unbelievable. Just you know, we talked. He needs runners, and Richie gave him a run, and he pulls off a ball like that. So. That's what we have to do. Just keep building and putting players around them that are going to make these runs and play on the shoulder of the of the um, defenders. And, you know, you agree with Collie. I think we need to find a system that's going to get Richie up front with Dom. Them as a two. Mm. We've seen how good they were last year. I think they got 13 goals each or something last year. Richie's an, he, he's great. He has pace. He's clinical. He's great in the air. He's, he is a, he is a striker, you know, so... I mean, if we could find a system which has the two of them up top with Hamez in behind them, feeding them, mm. you know, maybe if you go four, one, Davis is the one, Alan and Decore, they both have a bit more going forward to the game. And then, you know, you, you play Hamez and uh, the two boys up front and then, f- fair enough, we might be a bit narrow, but that's where your, your fullbacks come into play, I suppose. We're lacking a right, right back, really, to play that kind of, system someone that can cover the whole wing pace bit of pace you know recovery pace we still can't really play that high up but uh it's it's all it's all positive it really is you know the team is uh coming together we're just missing a couple of ingredients and slowly but surely we're knocking these milestones over you know mm. winning away at Tottenham and winning away at Liverpool first time in years beating Spurs in the cup and Slowly but surely, we have to start just, you know, as we talked about Southampton, this is another one of these typical Everton kind of games where yeah. we've been on such a high. They have what, one win in eight or something, and you're expecting, not expecting, but it's the type of game where we've seen this season where we'll get beat 2-0. You know, we, we, this is another milestone where we have, to, we have to conquer this. We have to go out and say, right, that's all behind us now beat them routine home win and you know move on from it so look let's hope that's the case yeah, I think that has to be it has, just has to be like that now Rich because listen I said it earlier that we can't have a, another letdown with Fulham after after winning the sport but if we just have to go and, and listen West Ham have been doing it the last few weeks just beat teams at home simply alright listen they're working hard and but we need to do that on Monday now. We just need to go and and just beat Southampton. Two, yeah. three, nil. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, we definitely do. I think having the week off as well, you know, you could say, oh, you want to get out and play straight away. But I think having, having the week, because we're after playing a lot of games as well, so to get a bit of recovery and to get a game plan in place for this, because we haven't, this is where we failed, you know, at home against teams, and I like South, well, Southampton will be a little bit more aggressive. They won't, they won't sit in too too much, but you know, they'll be they'll press us. But we have failed against that that style. So I for me, I think it's a good game because it gives us a chance straight away when we're on a high. You know, there's no reason why we can't come out with confidence and say, right, you know, string a couple of passes together, control the game for 20 minutes, you know, and and just and just pick it off because you know, we I just think the momentum that we get from that win. You know, we need to put it to use. And, you know, as I said a kind of a few minutes ago, that it'll 
again, it kills that kind of mentality for other teams coming to Goodison and saying, you know what, these are a soft touch at home. We can get at these here, you know, just by bullying them, get in their face. And, you know, if, if we turn Southampton over, it just lets people think, you know, Jesus, they beat Liverpool handy there, you know, and now they turn them over. And that's kind of what you want to do is get people kind of in that frame of mind because our next couple of games are all kind of are around teams down that end where we you know, we need to going to have to figure out how to, how to get by him if we if we really want to push on for the end of the season. Yeah, I think we, we last, like Rich said, teams down that bottom six, seven, if you want, Collie. We've kind of struggled against them because uh, it's a different type of game at home where we're expected to be the ones to, like, have all the possession, ping the ball around, like, dictate the play. But we seem to be at our best. Like just, I just had the stats in front of me from the other night. We, like we'd only 28% possession, but yeah, we still had the same amount of shots, six on shots on target as Liverpool. So maybe that's just our best way of playing, just let teams have the ball, even at home. It's a mentality issue, Joe. Um, at home for mm-hmm. me. And I think you know, I didn't see the presser today, I think you guys did. And he was asked in relation to the home kind of form, and he did say that mentality. I think needs to change or certainly the approach to the game needs to change so it'd be interesting to come Monday night um, but this is yet again another banana skin for us and like he only had to go back a couple of weeks and we had Fulham now in fairness to Fulham they've actually pulled out some results over the last few matches you know they're yeah. fighting for their lives so but that's that's no excuse we still should have beaten Fulham at home but um, I do agree with Richie I don't think Southampton will sit back I think they will uh, come on to us Um and I just hope we don't revert to uh, a, 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 an Everton game as such that we end up losing, you know, the kind of way. But uh, if you have to have any aspiration for any sort of European football this year, and I know we've said this time and time again, but we need to be beating the likes of Southampton. No disrespect to Southampton, but we need to be beating these at home. And you rightly said about West Ham and, and Demoise has, has Demoise man has, has got them playing really well and he's brought in some good players there and you know, but they're beating teams that they should be beating at home. You know, yeah. now they have they've had quite a tough game at the weekend, um, and he, and I've never liked West Ham, so I always expect them to just to, to tail off coming towards the end of the season. But as as we look at today, they're one of our main competitors for the European spot in the league, Joe. You know, and now I know Angela also said today. I think that you, we're just looking at a game by game, and I think that's the right philosophy, Joe. So yeah. our next game is Southampton. Don't worry about any other games. You know, our next game is Southampton. And as the lad said, we probably they probably gave them Sunday, Monday off and came back Tuesday, started training on Tuesday. So they're, they're getting a good fresh week into their legs, you know. Um, hopefully it'll be beneficial going forward. And, and um, just one, one last point on the Liverpool game, Joe. Just interesting to hear. I was listening to, uh, or sorry, I read a thing in The Athletic in relation to with the Man City on, on the horizon, I know we're talking at the end of March, but do you think that would give us more belief going into a, a, the quarterfinals against Man City at home, having beaten Liverpool, you know, the kind of way? It, just, it was an interesting think, article I, I read. Ha- I think it has to. Like, a result like that, uh, like Chris said at the very, very outset, that it, it's more than just three points. It's it's the, it's the whole monkey off the back. It's the belief that we can do this we believe that but we don't see why not I mean we were kind of I know we lost against City 3-1 but we were kind of in the game for probably 
50, 60 minutes maybe. So I, I don't see why not. We can't believe that we can go and you know, City would be in the middle of a, of a big run of fixtures then. Champions League, they'd have the Carabao Cup on the horizon as well. So I don't see why not. Listen, when you beat the champions at home, as most people don't like, but the champions of England, that's, if we can beat them at home, surely we can, we can give anybody a game. I know City are a different stratosphere altogether, but as far as belief goes, I don't see why not we can't go into that game. No, it's a bit away. God, it depends what happens in between now and then. Yeah, there's a lot of games between now and then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's only one game a week for us up until then. So City would yeah, have yeah. your European competitions, etc. And mm. we'd only have one game a week. So again, it's just West, maybe... West Brom, West Brom was thrown in there now, was it? Be four games in the next twelve days. Uh, yeah, yeah, because they switched oh, the West right. Brom game that was supposed to be that weekend. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Next Thursday, I think. Is it next? Next Thursday, I don't think it's there. Uh, but um, yeah, it's about, on your point. I think the belief is we just have to, like I said it before, we have to use that win on Saturday as a springboard. Go uh, not just next season, but even next two weeks. Just the belief. Everyone has to have the belief that we can do it. Confidence is such a big thing, you know. It's let us down at times and not having belief in ourselves and we're capable of producing a lot more than we've probably shown. You know, we, we tend to maybe play the safe pass and we're afraid to make mistakes. But as Carl said earlier, like that training ground would be a great place to be this week. I'd say the lads mm. are absolutely buzzing and, you know, they're part of history now, you know. First team in 20-odd years. Carlo as well, first manager to beat Liverpool away in 21 years. So, it's it's you have to channel it in the right way. You can't let it turn to arrogance Correct. and ha- have the kind of you know ah we done this or you know it it's it is one game. I know it means more, but yeah, Carlo, I think he he said it right himself. It's it's three more points towards where we want to be, yeah. and it won't take away from it. But the wind will be taken out of our sails if. If uh, if we failed to beat Southampton, you know it was a big uh, monkey off the back. But I mean, this is another monkey on the back that we we tend to struggle at home in these kind of games. Our you know our home form has been really really disappointing, and as has most teams, to be honest. Yeah, but I mean, it still doesn't justify ours being. Not, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. He said himself earlier, like the games we've lost. If we had a defender properly, they all would have finished nil all and we would have had far more points. Mm. So I think we might go for a defence first approach to this game. As uh, Rich said, they'll press us, you know, they they beat us comfortably up at their place. They do press well and Danny Ings, he does drop into the hole and pick up the ball. And, you know, uh, War Prowse is a great delivery on him. That, uh, Redmond has his one good game a season against us when he plays us. So Romeo's a big solid lad in the midfield there. So they've bullied us the last two times that we played them. You know they they ran they ran rings around us at Goodison last year in the draw. So one thing I'll say is I think Carlo tends to you know, look Lee feed us and we change the system and we beat them in a the reverse game. United beat us twice and then we, we played differently at Old Trafford and we got a draw over it. Um, 
Liverpool, obviously, we played them at Goodison and they were, you know, we were lucky on the day, but he's so flexible. He seems to learn his lessons, Newcastle aside, from from games we've been beaten in or we haven't performed in. He seems to learn his lessons and we have an alternative plan. It's not just playing the same way going into the fixture. We're not going to play the same way we did up at Southampton, that it didn't work. He'll try something different. So, look, hopefully the lessons have been learnt. Um, You know, it's... (laughs) <laughs> we've had such a good week I'm not ready for more disappointments can we no. just <laughs> just carry it on <laughs> but uh, yeah. look as the lads at the fixtures we have coming up it's you know we've this game uh, West Brom away Chelsea you'd look at that now and say we're capable of getting a result there the way we're playing and if we've played Burnley and Palace as well yeah, so it's mm. a it's a really important period and you know, we've said so many times if we don't win this game, well then we're out of Europe, we're able to run for Europe. But it is, it's a real chance to send out a message and going into the run of games we have. Because, I mean, if we can go on a really good run over the next five games, not only will we be in the mix, but we'll open up a gap between the teams below us. I think we're four, four points ahead of Tottenham now and I think we're far ahead of Villa. Same games played. Arsenal six points. So, if we can just open up that gap between us and maybe, you know, eight, nine, tenths, mm. give us that bit of cushion and then, you know, see where we are. I think top four is beyond us. I just I just don't think we have the consistency. I really don't, unfortunately. No, I hope I'm wrong. I hope this gives us the momentum and the belief to really kick on and push on. You know, there's 14 games left. With 12 wins, I would say around a 20-win mark, 60-odd points would be enough for Europe. So, if we can get eight more wins out of the 14, well, then we'd be there or thereabouts for Europa League. And, you know, we've at least four over to five of our next games coming are they're all winnable. So, look, fingers crossed. Yeah. But we've been here before, Rich. You know what I mean? We've been here so many times this season where like, we've a chance to put a stamp on it. And Monday... Monday, I think, is is day one because it's the last game of the weekend. We know exactly where, where it's a couple of again, there's a couple of teams in around us playing each other. But we just have to we just have to win. I know we said it loads of times, but this is just a must, must win game. Yeah, we've been in this position, I suppose, several times, you know, you think back to, to last season, B Villa and we go top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean it does put us in a good position. We know what to win, but I think it's just about not even worrying about anyone else. It's our game. We go do the business ourselves and we kind of focus on ourselves for the next couple of weeks because it, you know, it's in our, it's in our hands right now with the, with, the, with the way the fixtures are as well. I think Chris is dead right what he said about Carlo as well, like kind of adjusting kind of after kind of seeing the opposition early. But also you'd kind of hope that, that the players would kind of learn from even last weekend that work rate hard work you know yeah. we come, we'll come out on top and that's kind of where for these level of fixtures that it's important you know that if we put in the effort we know we have the talent so it's just about kind of I suppose applying ourselves right you know we said it over and over again and it's the same whether it's a lack of mentality or whatever it is you know kind of overconfidence going into them but it has to be put right you know this is a perfect weekend to put it right on the back of so much good news and a good performance last weekend that this is a perfect weekend to kick on and to say, right, this, you know, that we're going to be there. We're not going away anytime soon. So, 
I don't know. We just kind of wait and see what happens. Yeah. But I... Uh, before we get into predictions for the Southampton game, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, not a lot of uh, Liverpool fans, most of them are up choice, to be honest, but they're talking about the uh, Everton players over the top celebrations, Colly, in the dressing room. But uh, I don't think any Liverpool fan or any Liverpool player can like have a call with us about over the top celebrations. But these are lads to have open top bus tours when they win a throw in, so I don't think they can. They can launch that at us. It was ridiculous. Some of the comments during the week about the video. I think it was and Conkey who put it up on his Instagram. I'm not. Sure. I think he he's the main one to put it up. But it was embarrassing. No, Joe. I actually didn't realise that there was issues. It was only until it was only recently I seen something there. Um, this is the team that went together as 1-11 to 11 down in front of the cop end and celebrated a draw with West Brom. Yeah, am I, I, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, yeah, they won the West Brom Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah the West Brom Cup. And well done to them, you know. But this is why they drive me mad. Uh, it's this sense of entitlement with them, you know. Um, just be professional, you know. The kind of, this, is a, 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 this is an unbeaten run that's gone, over, gone on for over 21 years since we, uh, we, we, we won at Anfield. So there was a, a sense of celebration, a sense of, you know, joy, whatever you may call it. But what business is of theirs how we celebrate a game? You know, the kind of way. Um, look, it's, it's you know, I know there's rivalries between the two fans. I get that, Joe, but there are times that they just border on the insane, let's say, you know. Like you don't... You, yeah, he won Irish clown making videos watching the game and and and, and then I seen another clip of some guy singing a song to Klopp after the death of his mother and don't get me wrong that's a very sad event but this guy is pro- I don't know I really don't Joe um, I tend not to, to, to get too involved now because if I do I just get really annoyed you know uh, listen these lads uh, listen we're going to get into this stadium now but listen we're looking after historical buildings around the place there, throwing fireworks at it and trying to set it on fire. Oh, you just say nothing about that. Right, listen, Never a true listen. word, Sergio. Embarrassing, embarrassing, embarrassing. Yeah. Okay, uh, we need to, uh, we have a couple of things to talk about. But first of all, we'll do the uh, predictions for Southampton. Uh, go with you, Carl, first. Uh, I'm going to keep the good feeling going, Joe. And I think we will win. Uh, it will be a confident display. And I'm going to go for... 2 0. 2 0. Chris? 1 0. Oh, here we go. You're just doing that so you want to get it wrong. I <laughs> 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 have you so smacky. 1 <laughs> 0, uh, really? Yeah. Hope okay. you make the right balls of it. <laughs> I just can't this is just fully get on. I just can't. <laughs> Fully get on board with the positive role of everything. Yes, you hear me? Sorry, breaking up. Yeah, just about. Sorry, me cutting you off when you said one hour by the way. The signal went. Sorry. Yeah, I just I can't get on board with this new world where everything are everything is rosy and Everton land. So I'm expecting to be brought down to earth. Of course, I hope I'm wrong, but look, we'll see. Okay, Chris. Chris, just before we go on, 
The three of us are actually struggling to get on board with you, constantly smiling for the last hour and a bit. I have to say. <laughs> it's, like, it's like watching the Bee Gees here, lads. Okay, Richie, prediction for... Uh, Southampton. Yeah, I, I think we'll win. I'm... It's going to go 3-1. I'll go 2-1. Yeah, I'm going to go 3-1 because... Um, I just think the boost that that Saturday will give us, we, the players just have to carry on with that. And it has to be, as much as we say game by game, it just has to have an effect going forward. So I'm going to go 3 1 because, and simply 1 because Danny Ings always, always scores. scores. Yeah, so 3 1. Yeah, yeah, okay, park uh, that there then. Uh, met this week, continued Richie uh, with the planning permission. I don't think there was any doubt that it was going to be given, to be honest. I know there was a couple of rumblings from Heritage England uh, about uh, the existing building works and retention of them, but uh, planning permission was granted by the council uh, the other day, and it was just, I know we watched it, a couple of us watched it, the live feed. The presentation given by the club was absolutely outstanding. I mean, the answers for every single person, every single councillor who come on had, <clears throat> excuse me, had questions, and the club had answers for every single one of them. It was great to see. Yeah, I mean, it, the attention to detail that's been undertaken in the whole process, I suppose, mm. out kind of in this meeting, that there was no stone left unturned. And I, I don't know how much of a foregone conclusion it was. You probably only need someone to throw the cat among the pigeons basically and ask some kind of crazy questions that might catch him off guard and start kind of un- uneasing the other councillors. But it seemed like everything went really, really smoothly and fantastic to see some of the councillors gave some great speeches as well to kind of in, mm. in, in support of it. But from an Everton perspective, there's no more that they could have done. And it was, yeah, it was really, I suppose, eye-opening to see, you know, everything that's gone in before there's any kind of, spade in the ground at all you know but yeah fantastic just to get it onto the next stage and onto the final hurdle now which again you just kind of hope and pray that, that, that there's no kind of that there's no turn up in it but it, it, it's looking good you know it's looking good and it's getting ever so close all the time mm, that's the thing that there's, there's going to be stumbling blocks along the way Chris at some stage with a build of this size but uh, just getting back to the presentation by the club Hats off to every single one of them. They had quite, like I said, like Richie just said there, cat among the pigeons. Like there was a fella on asking about bats and frogs and ducks and everything else. But the, the club had an answer for every single one of them. Yeah, I did. I watched the whole, um, the whole two and a two and a half hours of the council meeting. Yeah, look, it was it was extremely impressive. I think they all spoke fantastically. Denise led with Colin and all. all of, all the gang they had there, but the, they covered everything. Absolutely, things mm. you wouldn't even think of looking in from the outside. It just shows the, you know, the extensive work that's gone in behind the scenes. You know, we've kind of been a bit pushy as fans. What's the delay? Why is it going on so long? And but it was really, really impressive. Um, the presentation they covered everything, and any questions any of the councillors or anything had, they, you know, they had the responses for it and. It's it's it shows well now, with, you know these public consultations and that that we were all part of initially, and 
the benefit of them because they were able to bring all these percentages to the council and say 96% are in favour and, you know, 60-odd thousand, um, thousand people have filled in the survey and mm. this is all, they've done their homework fantastically. They put all the groundwork in and it, uh, it all came together. It was really great and a, a significant point for the club because... We love Goodison, but it's, uh, you know, if we want to be part of the elite, Goodison isn't, uh, it isn't going to be fit for purpose, I suppose, you know, in terms of the match day revenue and commercially and from a sponsorship point of view, it's, it just doesn't generate enough income. You know, I think we only take in 14 or 16 million a year from Goodison through match day revenue. And, you know, you look at, United and City and Liverpool are up around the 110 mark Arsenal and mm. that's the that's the gap we have to bridge and you know it'll be a big uh, big benefactor when it comes in as part of the project I think you know we have a fantastic training facility we've an unbelievable manager you know I like Marcel Branson he's a great director of football we've a fantastic owner that has backed us the whole way and all that's missing is the stadium and you know that's the piece of the puzzle to really kick us on and you know the, the team is starting to take shape another a couple of additions over the next few windows and you know it's it's looking it's finally looking fantastic for us um, going forward in the next couple of years it's really all starting to come together and I think there's signs that the club really mean business and we're progressing off the pitch especially for the first time in a long time if you you know if you look back to when they wanted that shed out in Kirby like that would have been an absolute disaster for us as a club and the uh, the Blue Union and they keep everything our city lads deserve you know a knighthood for making sure that got that didn't go ahead because that would have been the end of us you know this you're going back to the King's Dock like it looked fantastic on the King's Dock and that never happened but you know, if you could offer me King's Dock now, the stadium we could have had, I'd take Bramley Moor every day. I just think it's an absolutely incredible looking stadium. It's in an iconic location. I think the capacity is bob on 53,000. I think the demand for seats is going to be mega. Mm. Um, you know, when you want to, you want an atmospheric stadium. The clubs like Juventus have a smaller stadium, 42,000, and the atmosphere is fantastic there. You don't want to be in a Man City position where you're playing a Champions League game and there's 20,000 empty seats in the stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we want it full. We want it intense. We want that atmosphere. So I've no complaint. We have that scope as well to, you know, if we do become successful and we we are winning trophies and we are in the Champions League and we want to add on another 5,000 or whatever, the scope for that is there. So it's just about growing as a club and look, it's... What can you say? Fantastic, fantastic. Let's just hope the government give the give the rubber stamp now. On paper, you'd say, why would they not? You know, it's going to generate 1.2 billion for the economy and 15,000 jobs coming off the back of a pandemic. It's a no-brainer looking in from the outside. Mm-hmm. So your man, uh, Jendrick, the Secretary of State, he's tend to, you know, kind of just throw it back to the council and say, if the council are happy with it, well, then you crack on. So let's hope that's the case. Another very impressive part of the presentation the other day, Carly, was the uh, the legacy for Goodison, the footprint they're going to leave there. Uh, that was great to see. That it's not going to be like Liverpool just leaving old derelict 
he's rubbish behind. But uh, the, the plans for Goodison when we leave, very, very impressive. Yeah, unfortunately, Joe, I didn't see the presentation. I was in work, but okay. obviously, obviously reading what I've read over the last number of days and stuff, um, it's going back to Everton, the community, Joe, and, 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 yeah. and the great work that they're doing. And, you know, in some ways, it's probably as a result of them that, that Goodison is, is being redeveloped in the way that it is, you know, the kind of way. And, and we're, you know, I've listened to you guys speaking about the presentation now, but there is one man, I think, as an Everton fan that I think we should really thank and that's Mr. Mashiri and, and, and the work and, and the time and, and obviously the money that he's devoted into the club getting in the right people eventually and you know I think uh, Richie made a point you know even with Man City and their revolution mistakes were made initially and we've made our mistakes Joe Jesus we don't have to go back over our mistakes but we are finally on the road and, and once that four spade goes into the ground I think they're looking at possibly a three to four year build on it mm-hmm. So you're now in in final countdown, you know, and, and, you know, people will be thinking, we've only got X amount of games against Liverpool at home at Goodison Park, you know, the kind of way. And and that's what we're coming down to. But we need to move on from Goodison, unfortunately, um, from a commercial point of view. But let's be honest. Family more is family more, but Goodison will always be in our hearts. And it's only the new generation that haven't even been born that won't know about Goodison and they'll take to Bramley Moore and, and you know, but um it's certainly a step in the right direction and, and I'm glad to be a part of a, a growing club because on and off the pitch, you know, like you see that even the some of the deals that's taking place over in South America with James and you know, and obviously Mina in the team and you know, the brand name is growing and it's, it's mm. You know, anyway, that's that's another podcast for its day, Joe. But um, terrific from from what I learned. Um, all the backroom, like all the, the senior executives and all, that has done a great job in, in presenting this. And as Chris said, are the English the UK government really going to deny fifteen thousand new jobs for the space of a couple of frogs? I get that there's a, a nature issue and all that, but mm. you gotta you gotta look, you know, from the outside in and just. Series redevelopments going on, on in that area, so it's a win. It's a win-win for me now. I have to say. Yeah, I think it's just this. We all, every one of us, all fans, recognise we, we need to move on for the commercial benefit of the club. But uh, as great as this announcement is, it's just bringing closer and closer the day that we we leave Gordon, which is it's just. Can't even bear thinking about it, to be honest. But it has to be done. It has to be done. We just have to move on. Uh, to bridge the kind of gap that, that is between as much as we try to think it's not, but there's a gap between the likes of ourselves and United City, Arsenal, Spurs now, even West Ham with our new bowl. Financial gap that we just need to bridge for to bridge the gap on the pitch. So I think it just has to be done. So looks amazing. And then Carlo said today that uh, he'd like to be the manager when we move into the new stadium. So it's good news just keeps coming and coming and coming. So uh, just finish off, actually, Rich. Uh, Luca Dean signed a new contract. Great to see that as well. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's not a whole pile you could say, only you want to keep your good players around. And when you mm-hmm. see the likes of Luca Dean extending, you know, it's, it's a lot easier for the other kind of top players to say, oh, He's around for another couple of years and he's around for another couple of years and we're after beating you know on the back of some big results and things like that that 
you know, up around the top side of the table. That that that's where the players want to be. And if they have ambition, you know, they don't want to be on the move all the time and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's good, and I think it'll help, kind of, as I said, to get other players to kind of sign. You know, we've a lot of our say top players on longer deals now as well. So it's it bodes really well, and you know, fantastic to see him commit. Um, because you know, you talk about. A sustainable model where you're selling your top players and you're bringing in youngsters, but realistically, if you want to compete, you want to you want to be keeping your 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 top players all around for as long as you possibly can. And for me, he's a he's a top player. Yeah. I think the, the biggest compliment we can give him, Chris, is that we didn't miss Leighton Baines when 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 he went. Yeah, it was always a big worry, wasn't it? With the you know how great Baines has been and linking up a painter down that left, it was a a big part of our success. Well, you know, <laughs> we didn't win much, but as, you know, <laughs> no, we still years, haven't replaced that partnership, we were, by the way. You know? No, we haven't. No, but uh, look, he's a fantastic fullback. Seems like a really great professional, and he's taken to the club and the fans, and he seems a very humble guy. And you know, he's he's after having another kid, isn't he? So he's settled on Mary's side. He's happy, mm. and you know, he's twenty-seven, and so. I mean, if you're Marcel Brands and Carlo sitting down with him and the agents, he, he's battling to be France's number one left back now. He's, you know, so if he didn't think Everton were going to fulfill his ambition, he wouldn't, he would have left. Like Lukaku left, like Stones left. So it's great. We're in a position now where we're attractive and players genuinely believe that. It's a, it's a place that you just get that sense. You know, if you're, you kind of get that sense about the club in general at the minute that something is brewing, something good is brewing, and something good is on the way, mm. you know. Um, so, uh, look, yeah, excellent. We're going to have his peak years, and look, hopefully, hopefully he's, uh, he's, he could be a future captain for us, you know. He's had the arm yeah. a couple of times. He's, a real model professional and yeah, great news. I just my head's gonna explode with all this good news. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll let, we'll let Chris go off for a big happy run. <laughs> Listen, lads, thanks very much for today. Um again, just a momentous week uh, on and off the pitch, and uh, it was just very, very emotional week for everybody involved, uh, especially us fans. And like I said, we just need to use this as a springboard. The, go forward and not, not just let it be a once-off. So, uh, anyway, lads, thanks very much for today. We'll talk to us next week, hopefully after another win against Southampton. So, take it easy. See you, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you're interested in joining the Irish Toffee Supporters Club, just send an email to memberships at irish-toffees.com or visit our website, www.irish-toffees.com. Up the toffees. <laughs>